Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Happy to be with you. Happy to be with you. I can hardly see you because of all this fog. That makes me sad. (laughs) I'm a sensitive guy. Don't let the size fool you. Um, This morning I was blessed, um, not just because of what I've seen here and experienced here uh, with all of you, but this morning I was blessed. um, I'm I'm a part of a a church startup locally, and um, every morning on Sunday morning, I get up at about 5 a.m., and I prepare myself for the morning, get my notes together. We, we do some fill-out sheets as a church. I make sure those are in order. I pray. Um, I need to get, like, a gym bag together of, like, extra clothes because we work hard when we show up to the building. And before I show up to the building, after I hitch up this trailer to this tiny SUV that we have. The trailer is much bigger than the SUV. Um, Strangers like to comment on that, like, you can pull all that with that little old car? And I'm like, it's getting the job done so far. I show up to this place. uh, It's a a market right around the corner from my house. And I walked in this morning. It was about 7 o'clock. And I ordered six sausage, egg, and cheese English muffin sandwiches. And these guys do it right. They like pack it in. And the reason why I order those is because I have a setup team of people who meet me at the school to set up for church on Sunday mornings. And so they're my, my grunts. They're my, my workhorses. These are the ones that show up early in the morning, about 7.30. We set up for church. Service starts at 10. So right now, they're in prayer and Rise City Church is about to start in about 10 minutes for their service and the guy on the other side of the camp on the counter that was making my sandwiches was like hey i've been seeing you come in here this is a big dude he reminds me of like one of my italian uncles big guy he's like hey i've been seeing you come in here you know sunday after sunday getting these sandwiches what are you what are you going fishing <laughs> i'm like no he's like i thought you might be going with a bunch of guys going fishing or something i'm like no no this is for my setup team at church They help me in the morning. This is kind of like their encouragement. Um, And he goes, oh, wow. He's like, hey, yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, I go to church and we got in that conversation. He said, what's your name? I said, it's Luke. He said, what's yours? He said, it's Charlie. We go to the counter. He goes, okay, I'm going to give you the brotherhood discount. Praise God. And I'm like, all right, brotherhood discount. Let's go. He's like, the sandwiches were $7 a piece. Now they're $5 a piece. I said, Charlie, thank you so much. It's such a blessing. And I start taking some bills out of my wallet. And I said, that helps so much. But he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, you paying, with it? you paying for this with your own money? <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, no, I got it. I got it. Don't worry about it. I said, Charlie, you can't do that. You can't give me this for free. You can't just pay for this, man. Like, listen, I got it. I got it, bro. Like, thank you. So he's like, oh, whoa, 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 Luke. And he said it like that, like strong, like, like this guy was going to put a hit out on me if I didn't accept these sandwiches, right? He's going to take me out. He's bigger than me. He made me feel small. I can't lie. He had gigantic hands. And so he's like, whoa, 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 Luke, take the gift, take the gift. And I'm like, 
okay, I don't want no trouble, Charlie. But it blessed me so deeply, I didn't have to pay for these sandwiches. It was just something that was given to me. It was this gift, and it was going to bless my team. And now I can take that money that I was going to use to bless my team, and I can use it to bless somebody else or pay it forward or just remember that. You know what's so amazing about being a Jesus follower? You never know when God's going to have give you an opportunity to run into another Jesus follower who's going to bless you at just the right time when you need it. And that is like the beautiful thing of being in this fellowship and being in this body of believers and being young people because when God brings you into the presence of other believers, there is oftentimes what we call a blessing in store for you. You know, I walked out of that deli in tears. Like I, was, I couldn't thank Charlie enough for the gift. Thank you so much, one, for feeding me. And two, for paying for it. And I love what God is able to do by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit when two believers are able to get together. Those are the type of things that are supposed to happen. And it was also such a reflection of what Christ was able to do on this cross. He gave us a gift that we didn't have to pay for. He gave us a gift. He said, it's free. And you know what else Jesus says? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And in me, you will find streams of living water. You know what's crazy about Jesus? He has this free gift of eternal life that he continually pours out by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. And you know what he says? He says, you eat this bread, you're never going to go hungry again. And and you drink of this water, you're never going to thirst again. As a matter of fact, if I am in you, in you, streams of living water are going to start bubbling up. You follow me. You're going to know who your provider is. You're going to know who your sustenance is. You're going to know who it is that refreshes you, that sustains you, and that feeds you. It is Jesus. And he fills those places that, where we're hungering the most, where we're thirsting the most. He fills those places. He provides for those places. And he says, I am enough for you. I'm all you need. You don't need to carry this more anymore. Drop the rock. Take the gift. That's Jesus. And, and I just love, you know, when you're, when you're a preacher or a pastor or even just a follower of Jesus, and I, I recommend this to you young people. Don't be so quick to call things coincidences when they're divine appointments for God to show you his faithfulness. I could have just so easily and casually been like, oh, yo, nice guy, you know, big guy at the counter. He, he blessed me with some sandwiches. Thank you. And went on my way. But in that moment, I didn't want to miss what God was doing. He let me see and experience the Holy Spirit and his provision that was represented in a simple gift. Take a bag of sandwiches, go feed your brothers and sisters, and be blessed. I love what Jesus is able to do through people for all of us. Don't be so quick to discard things as coincidences. In our church, we like to call them micro-blessings, evidences of his faithfulness, his eyes on you. I had a whole sermon prepared but it's kind of being scrapped on account of what took place here. I love the significance of these rocks. I love that oftentimes we can carry around things that we're not meant to carry around. But you know what's crazy about what we can do with the things that we're not supposed to carry around? Oftentimes that leads us to a place where we can kind of weaponize what we're carrying. Like, 
The places of greatest hurt or greatest shame or greatest regret can often become places where we're armed the most. The places that we want to protect ourselves the most. The places where where we'll fight if you go there. Oftentimes, this thing that we feel like is a part of us and a target of judgment toward us or condemnation or it's an insecurity in us. Sometimes that can lead us. If that's pointed out, if that's touched, if you come across that, this thing becomes a weapon. Don't go there because I've got a defense and it's birthed out of my hurt. It's birthed out of my sin. It's birthed out of my shame. And so oftentimes we go around weaponizing through our greatest places of hurt. Have you ever heard the cliche, hurt people hurt people? If you think of some of the most vicious people, savage people in your life, you just think about the pain that they're carrying, the weights that they're carrying, and what's causing them to act in that manner toward other people. Hurt broken people hurt and break people. Jesus says, you carrying around that rock? You're called to drop the rock. You know what's, what's crazy? J- Jesus gave us an example of what this looks like. You see, Jesus was at the synagogue teaching, and he was at the temple teaching, and a bunch of religious people brought a woman to him who had been caught in the act of adultery. It means this woman cheated on her husband and was caught in the act. You talk about shame. You talk about hurt. Her, uh, you talk about getting caught. This woman was caught and drugged in front of Jesus. And the religious leaders and the Pharisees, they started picking up these rocks. And they went to Jesus and said, Rabbi, the law says that we're supposed to stone this woman. We're supposed to kill her by raining down rocks the size of boulders onto this woman. That's what the law says. Now, now we ask, what should we do with this woman? What should we do with these rocks? Now, I don't know about you. But there's got, some be, there's got to be some brokenness in us for us to be so readily willing to rain down boulders on someone for something that we've caught them in. It is a reflection of our own brokenness, our own sinfulness. And Jesus begins to write on the stone, on the floor of this temple. And he starts just writing things. And, and he stands up as all these guys are just waiting. They're waiting for him to give the word. They're ready to rain these rocks down. They're ready to rain down these rocks with judgment, with hate, with, with self-righteousness, with pride. They're ready to rain these rocks down and take her out. And Jesus is just writing on the stone. And he stands up and he says, those of you without sin, cast the first stone. Cast the first stone. Now, we don't know what Jesus was writing, but many scholars and theologians assert that Jesus may have been writing the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Shall not lie. Shall not covet. Shall not commit adultery. Is he writing these things down and reminding them, you're sinful too. You are at risk of being on the receiving end of the same judgment that you're so willing to pour out on this woman. That's you. And you know what's crazy? It says one by one. One by one, from oldest to youngest. Hey, leaders, these young people are watching you. Parents, your children are watching you. And they're going to take their cues from you. 
You bring hate, they're going to follow in the legacy of hate. You bring jealousy, they're following the legacy of jealousy. You, you bring bitterness, they follow in the legacy of bitterness. You bring unforgiveness, they follow. Young people follow the legacy that's been set for them. And I love what it says in the word. It says, one by one, starting from the oldest, they began to drop their rocks and they walked away. Jesus turns to the woman that was thrown at his feet. It was at the risk of being stoned to death. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? She says, nowhere, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I accuse you. But go and sin no more. Take the gift of freedom that you just found in me. I'm covering you. Go and sin no more. Be free. As we walk with Jesus, Jesus has this moment with his disciples. He says to the disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And his disciples are around him, his closest followers. There's, this, there's these rumors that are going around town about him. You know, he's healing, he's providing bread, he's doing all these miracles, he's healing blind people, he's saving people, he's doing all this stuff. And he goes to his disciples, he said, who do people say that I am? His closest followers say, oh, some say that you're Elijah or one of the prophets or maybe you're John the Baptist. And, and he turns to his disciples and says, who do you say that I am? What about you? Who am I to you? Who do you know me to be? And Peter, in his impulsivity, speaks up and he goes, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, who at the time, his name was known as Simon. And he says, blessed are you, Simon. For the for flesh and blood did not reveal this truth to you, but my father who is in heaven, and on this rock, he says, calling Peter, changing his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock. He said, now, from now on, your name is going to be Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell is not going to overcome it. And then he says, on this rock, I will build my church. On this truth, I am the Christ. I am the Savior. I'm the Messiah. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. I am, your, uh, I am your Savior. I am your King. I am your Lord. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. And then he says this, the gates of hell will not overcome it. That means darkness will never overtake you. You will not be overtaken by sin, death, or separation from me. On that rock, on this truth, on Jesus Christ, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guess what he says after that? He says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. I will give you the keys to heaven. Jesus today is saying, as you drop this rock and you pick up your key, remember that you're dropping that rock, that rock that might have something to do with your former identity, what you've been carrying around, what you've been tied to, what you've been building your house on. That's been your rock. You drop that rock and you remember who the real rock is. And it ain't Dwayne Johnson. It's Jesus Christ. 
You drop your rock, you remember who the rock is, and as you remember who the rock is, you build your life on the rock, who he says you are, what he's done in your life, what he's able to do through you, how he fills you, how he offers you that bread and water and the sustenance you need, how he fills those empty places. On that rock, you build your life. He says, on this rock, I am the Messiah, I am the Savior, I am your King, your Lord. I paid the price. I reconciled you back to God. On this rock, you build your life. And the gates of darkness will not overtake you. And I have given you the key. Key to what? Key to my kingdom. Key to the kingdom of heaven. You know what's crazy that, that Jesus means about, by that? And he essentially says this to his disciples. He says, I'm giving you the key to unlock Whatever's going on in heaven can take place on earth. Whatever's going on in heaven, the beauty of the kingdom of heaven can be experienced right now. Why? Because I've given you my Holy Spirit. God is in you. And so what is being manifested in heaven in that realm can now take place through you according to my lordship and headship. Did you know heaven can touch earth right now through you? Because he lives in you, he is for you, and he is your rock. That's his hope for you. On this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will never overcome it. When I said it is finished, it is finished. And I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever's bound in heaven, you can bind on earth. And whatever's loosed in heaven, you can loose on earth. I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you access. So drop your rock that you've been holding and let me hold you because I am the rock. Amen. Here's the thing about your journey. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, that means the forerunners in history that came before you, angels, saints, people who've kept the faith, you are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses described as, as, a, <laughs> described as a crowd of believers cheerleaders like that are cheering you on they want to see you run this race well he says let us throw everything that hinder us hinders us and sin that so easily entangles us let's throw that off let's start living for another kingdom and then he says this he says let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer, the author, and perfecter of our faith. It's like Jesus, the one who started it, and he's the one who's going to bring it to completion. The author and the perfecter. Here's what I know when it comes to this text and what I think is important for all of you. He says, let us run the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. <sighs> How many of you know that running a race is not easy. Anybody? 
I got a lot of people in my life who run like gazelles. It looks like they run, I run more like a buffalo, not going to lie. Just kind of heavy footed. Quick at a short distance. Don't let the size fool you. I'm fast. But running is hard. Running is hard and training for a race is difficult. And in the same way, you got to know that this race is not easy. Being a Jesus follower is not easy. Matter of fact, Jesus promises in this life, you're going to have trouble. Take heart. I overcame the trouble. You need me. Fix your eyes on me. This race is not easy. Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you got to take up your cross and follow me. If you want to be my disciple, you got to pick up a cross. You know what that means? You're going to have to make some hard decisions for the sake of Christ rather than appeasing the people around you and meeting their expectations. You're going to have to follow Jesus, and it's hard. It wasn't easy for him, and it's not to be easy, meant to be easy for you. So don't be fooled. It's a hard race. And you got to keep the faith. And the only way to run the race is to keep your eye on the prize. It's Jesus, man. You're a rock. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Here's the other thing. It's hard, and it also takes perseverance. It's testing. It's a battleground. It takes perseverance. you got to be able to persevere, knowing that that grows character. You're going through hard stuff, keep going going through difficult stuff, keep going. Don't lose faith. Keep your eye on Jesus. He's going to bring you through. He's going to take you through. He's going to be with you. He's your rock. You're not going to sink. He will keep you from falling. He'll lift you up again. He's uplifting you. He's raising your cadence. He's building in your, his confidence into you. He overcame death. His spirit is within you. Through him, you can do anything takes perseverance it also takes a focus so we run knowing that it's hard we persevere knowing that it's hard and we fix our eyes on Jesus we allow him to continually be the focus of our lives remember when the enemy came and asked the question did God really say the first person that the woman should have turned to was God we, <laughs> fact check <laughs> are we for you Go to Jesus. You got some things that you're tempted with. You got some things that are drawn on your heart. You got some things that you're being pulled towards. You're, you're running with the wrong crowd. You're getting sucked back in, back in. People are trying to convince you to walk away from the faith. No, no, check. Check with the Lord. Go to his word. Pray. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Lord, what would you have me do? I got some questions out here. What do you want me to do with these questions? then lastly it's important to know that we have to gather in encouragement and spurring one another on in Hebrews chapter 10 a couple chapters before Hebrews chapter 12 it says this it says do not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching y'all the first thing that I did when I met Jesus, I was sure, I was sure that I was in a small group. I was, and, and I was an outlier. Like I was somebody that these guys had to deal with. I was not a church person. I did not know Christianese. I, I did not know what this whole thing meant. I just knew that there was like a group of people who read the Bible, who prayed, 
and then I was gonna go be a part of this. <laughs> and when I went, I just felt so embraced and so loved and, and sometimes misunderstood, but really just because I misunderstood them. I didn't really get it all, but they continually just received me in the group. Hey, keep coming, keep coming, small group. I'll never forget it. And there I grew and I was able to ask questions and I was prayed for and I gained understanding and studied and was encouraged in the faith. Here's the thing, you cannot do this on your own. You cannot do this on your own. We need the body. We need each other. We need to be encouraged in our faith. So here's the thing. Make sure you are plugged in to your small group. Make sure your leader knows your name. Make sure that that, that phone number, that email, whatever it is, is on speed dial. If you're not connecting, start connecting. Get in there. And you know what, you know what else is important to know? You are chiefly responsible for your own faith the responsibility for your faith is yours God gives you people to help you but you cannot let other people be responsible for your faith the people are going to let you down we are broken people I, I always I think it's so funny I don't, I don't want God to ever put me in like the perfect church because I'll be the one to screw it up People are broken. They're going to let you down. You're going to experience disappointment. Your faith, the responsibility for your faith belongs to you. Don't let disappointment make you start to doubt Jesus and walk away from the church and what he's doing. Your faith is yours. And God has put people around you to encourage you, to help you grow, to encourage you, to spur you on. But know that it's your responsibility to be active, to be involved, to be a contributor, to gain everything that God has for you and giving you these people. I see this picture up here. It reminds me of the gathering. Don't, don't give up on the gathering. You, one of the most powerful places, I think anywhere, is in the locker room at halftime with a football team. It's so powerful. And one of, I say that because one of like the most chiefly like motivating, like lions I think to ever do it is this guy. I'm a Ravens fan. The lion. When these guys would get in the locker room, this guy, Ray Lewis, that halftime, it didn't matter how many points they were down or how many points they were up. This guy was the guy that was in that locker room spurring these guys on saying, hey, we're beat up, we're bruised, but we still got another two quarters in front of us. We're beat up, we're bruised, but we gotta keep going. We gotta keep going. We gotta keep our eye on the prize. We wanna get there and we need one another. We need to lock arms. We're family. We each got a job to do. We need one another. We rely on one another. We go after it together. The gathering is your halftime. And some of these guys feeling bloodied, bruised, injured, rolled ankles, beat up, eyes poked out. Like they're in there. And they need their leader and their brother to say, you can do it. You keep going. Let's keep our eye on the prize. That's why we come to retreats. That's why we have Sunday service. That's why we have small groups. That's why we do what we do because we need to encourage one another and spur each other on. It would only take a couple of games 
without that halftime speech, collective, regathering, reassessment, without that halftime, it would only take a few games until these players would have no idea what to do and they would wind up giving up because they didn't have that gathering to encourage one another, especially in the hard stuff. So don't give up on the gathering. Encourage one another. So this is your faith here. This is your freedom here. And also there's a great hope. It says in Hebrews, meet all the more as you see the day approaching. You know what that means? The return of Christ. When Jesus is gonna make all things new. And you're in that family. And he says, and when that time comes, no more tears, no more wars, no more heartache, no more disappointment, no more of that. No more disease, no more sickness, none of that. He said, behold, I'm gonna make all things new. And it's gonna be restored exactly to the way he intended it. Freedom, the boundary lines falling in pleasant places and us enjoying him forever. Amen. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you for this weekend. Lord, I'm so blessed as we have come together in this time and we've experienced worship together, joy together, fun together, freedom together. And I pray a hand of blessing over each and every student in this room, Lord. Father, I pray that you would cover them, fill them to the brim. Every student, every leader, every person in this place filled to the brim, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, with your grace, with your love, with your joy, with your peace, with the abundance of what you have to give them, satisfaction in you. Lord, we pray that they would be encouraged. Lord, if there's any angst, I pray you bring peace. If there's any trouble, I pray you bring calm. If there's any hate, Lord, I pray that you bring love. If there's any bitterness, I pray that you bring unforgiveness, or I pray that you bring forgiveness. If there's unforgiveness, I pray that you bring grace. If there's shame, if there's guilt, if there's bondage, I pray that you bring freedom. Fill them to the full, Lord. The fullest measure, no void, nothing lacking. Fill them to the brim. Fill them to the brim with your Holy Spirit. Pray that as they enter into this week and the weeks following, they would be linked up, locked in, encouraging one another, knowing that they're the church built on you, the rock. And they've got the keys that whatever is loosed or bound in heaven, they have the power to loose and bind here on earth. Praise you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.